I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Curious Conversations with Tully and Sarah. We sit down and chat with business owners, entrepreneurs, and some of the best conversation starters. This is a podcast about real life lessons and people doing cool shit. What is up? What is up? What is up? Happy Wednesday. I'm only doing that because Sarah said before that is what I say on the intro. But welcome to another episode of Curious Conversations. Another one you also say is, hi fam. Yeah, because I'm excited to talk to the fam. But today's episode, we have the beautiful Tally Rye all the way from London town. Tally Rye is an author, a personal trainer. I would say she's a motivational speaker. She's an all-round freaking legend. You took everything I was going to say from the first three edits of this. (laughs) I love that. We love that. We spoke about intuitive movement, intuitive eating, her podcast, her podcast, which is also freaking amazing, and her peaceful relationship with exercise, food, and her body, which I think is such a common thing, especially in a lot of women. It's something that we all seek. Yes, exactly. It's a long episode. It's an amazing talk, and she has a beautiful accent. Yeah, I'm sure she says that about us. (laughs) Anyway, don't forget to like, subscribe and share with all your friends. Ciao. What's up? Hi, Tally. How are you? I'm really good. Really happy to see you guys. It's been so long. It's been a minute. I think the last time we would have seen you was in Sydney, Sydney. Australia. Yeah. And I, I, was that 2017? I think so. Yeah, maybe it was. I think so. I think it was. I think it was too crazy well it's so lovely to have you on the podcast how are you going what's what's the life update right now well I'm based in London and we were having a bit of a chat prior to about kind of coronavirus stuff I'll only mention it once um (laughs) (laughs) we've you know the country as a whole maybe isn't doing great at all Mm. um in London things aren't as bad so we're able to have a bit of normality like I'm able to go to the gym and go out as many times a day I want and all those sorts of things. So, you know, we've started, I personally have managed to adapt now to yeah. life at home. And so when we've had this kind of second wave that we're going through, I kind of have feel a lot more mentally prepared and a lot calmer about mm-hmm. it. So I'm kind of just able to go with the flow a bit more rather than I think where everyone was feeling a bit uncertain at the beginning of the year. Yeah. I feel a lot calmer. Um, and so I'm doing good. I'm determined to like personally, professionally make the most of the rest of the year. I feel like there's a couple of months left. I want to, I don't know, make the most of 2020 and try and salvage some positives and something good from it. I just want to say, sorry, I just want to jump in for a second. I just want to say having gone through the second wave, I think that's the Mm. best way to go into it is be like mentally prepared and really focused like on your like self. Um, definitely helped me the second wave. What about you, Sarah? <laughs> well, I've, I think I've been fine all the way through. So Yeah, Sarah I... hasn't had a breakdown. The first one, I had a few breakdowns. Second one, I was like, 
I've been through this before. I know what to do. I know how to adapt. I know what it is. So I just focus on my mental health. Yeah, I have therapy every week and I feel like that's really calmed me down and made me realize that I can't control the situation. So I'm just going to have to let it go as it's going to go because it's out of my control. 100%. Releasing that because I'm a natural control freak. Yeah, <laughs> I think we've all been, <laughs> yeah. been really good for my mental health. And also not going on Twitter, not like checking in on the news mm-hmm. like periodically, but keeping it at a bit of an arm's length because I think like the rest of the world, we were all glued to everything the first time around. And it was just, it got intense and you didn't know whether you were coming or going and it was just too much. So yeah, no new, like limited the news boundaries and just is, is really helping me right now. I mean, it could all go, it could all change. I mean, it could all go tits up. I could have another (laughs) three. Let's hope not for your sake. Let's not, let's hope not. Now, Tell for everyone who doesn't know you, um, can you please introduce yourself and tell us who you are, what your story is in life so far? Yeah, so um, I am a personal trainer based in London and I have been um, working as a personal trainer now for I think it's six six and a bit years. Yeah, Um, and I have been... Uh, on a personal and professional journey, I would say, having first gone to fitness and, you know, getting really keen and into it and um, thinking for me, it was very much centered around like having abs and wanting to look the part and everything like that. And sadly, that kind of led me down the path of getting quite obsessed with fitness and food and my body. And um, I think, you know, it took me the last kind of five, four or five years to recognize that I couldn't sustain the mindset I was in when it came to how I felt about food and exercise. And um, I I suppose for me, it's like the last, you know, particularly last three, two, three years have felt like a journey back to myself, mm-hmm. which means like, you know, this has all been going through my 20s. I'm 30 in a couple of weeks. And I think for me, it's been a process of trying to figure out how I want to think about my body, how I want to think about fitness, how I want to enjoy food rather than thinking about what everyone else is doing, what the rules are and learning that. So I now have kind of shifted from that mindset of, um, you know, thinking about dieting and looking a certain way. And now I really focus on um, helping people to feel good about themselves Mm -hmm no matter the number on the scale. Um, and I really encourage people to think about exercise as a form of like adult playtime. And I encourage intuitive movement. And mm-hmm. maybe people listening have heard of intuitive eating as well. So I, I'm very into those two things. And um, like maybe give a quick history on intuitive eating. It's a framework by two dietitians who really promote um kind of jumping off the dieting cycle and then really learning to trust your body with food and make peace with food and just have a really positive relationship. So you know how to feed yourself and you know what feels good for you. And um, yeah, you start to just eat from a place of kindness rather than, you know, guilt and fear and stress. And so similarly, I use that approach with fitness. I want to help people stop feeling like they're using exercise to punish themselves and beat themselves up and start to really use it as a form of self-care and um, fun and just 
maybe take it all a bit less seriously and um, just kind of, like I said, come back to themselves. I really think the whole process is about just figuring out who you are and and what you need as a person and an individual. And so I think of it as a really empowering process as well. Yeah. Do you think there was a specific point in your journey, you know, in your fitness journey that you kind of come to realize that, wow, I need to introduce that into my life, the intuitive eating and stuff like that? Yeah. So I think um, it was never like a massive light bulb moment for me, but I think you know, when we met in 2017, mm-hmm. I think I was on the way there, but yeah. I wasn't quite arrived at that destination yet. And I, you know, had kind of gone through this process of knowing I'd had quite a disordered relationship with food and exercise and knew that I'd got quite obsessive about my calorie counting and, you know, look like checking my body and all those sorts of things. And it was a very slow process of like just kind of going oh, this isn't making me feel good about myself. In fact, it's making my body image worse, obsessing over what I look like. Mm. And then starting to talk about that um, on social media and getting a feeling like there are a lot of other women going through similar things and feeling like, oh, okay, this is like, there's other people who want to feel less shame around their body and food and exercise. And and then when I discovered intuitive eating, I was like, oh, this is what I've been looking for this mm-hmm. this is the piece of the jigsaw, jigsaw puzzle that makes total sense and there's um you know science and evidence to guide me through how to like navigate this journey with um sh- making this mindset shift yeah. and there's also like a legitimacy to it like you know this wasn't just me feeling a bit like oh this doesn't feel right anymore like it didn't feel right to um you know, for me, for me personally, it didn't feel right to promote, you know, before and afters or to push people down a certain way. And, um, and I think, yeah, then discovering intuitive eating, it kind of put a, a label on what I was looking for and how I wanted, how I wanted to, um, relate to food and exercise. Um, so yeah, it wasn't a big, it wasn't a big thing, it's been a slow journey and you know thanks to social media and some good kind of mentors I have in London for introducing it to me um and saying like oh you might want to read this book you might want to just check out this Mm. article and listen to this podcast and um yeah it really helped really helped I love that before intuitive eating what was your relationship with diets had you tried keto had you tried every diet under the sun So no, I I haven't done loads of formal dieting as such. I kind of got into fitness in probably 2014 was like the height of my time when I was, and it was all about like um, my fitness pal and macros and Mm -hmm. calorie tracking. So yeah, yeah. So I've done all of that, and um, you know, I've been on. I love TikTok. TikTok. Oh, <laughs> so do I. Yeah. Oh, you can lose hours of your life oh, to that. I was just on TikTok before. Not yeah. Lie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it's interesting how I'm seeing a lot of the same trends that were around then being promoted by a, like, a younger generation now. So I say that's like, a, yeah. I feel like an old woman on that app, like, like, third, like <laughs> almost 30. Um, and I'm seeing people who are the same age as me, so like early 20s, late teens, early 20s discovering macros, discovering, um, you know, doing a lot of what I saw something recently about volume eating, which is like essentially trying to eat as much food. Like a mukbang on like YouTube. 
Can't, no, slightly different. different. So it's the kind of thing where you just basically try and make as much food as possible for as like small amount of calories as possible. Oh, so right. you know whether it's like, so whether it's like I would use things like powdered peanut butter instead of real peanut yeah. butter. Oh, yeah. I would um, use you know like um, zucchini noodles instead of pasta. Yeah, all those yeah, sorts okay. of things just to try and bulk up foods uh-huh. and meals. Um, so I did a lot of that, which I consider to be quite um, for me. It was quite disordered and 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 it's still in that diet mindset because I was never truly satisfied with what I was eating and I was always and my mindset at the time was always thinking about my next meal and planning my next meal and I realized like so when I first started Instagram it was very food orientated I was going to say that I remember very beautiful yeah yeah beautifully Instagram worthy presented food and for me I realized that was like a hallmark of unhealthy too of my disordered relationship because for me it was very much about like it had to look really good and it had to yeah be super healthy and clean and all those sorts of things um and so a big part of me unlearning that has literally been was like not taking pictures of my food (laughs) making messy plates and like letting myself eat messy food like that sounds really trivial but for me, that was like a thing I needed to do. Yeah. Um, and also letting myself have the quite real version of whatever it was. So like um, letting myself eat a brownie and it not having to be healthified, you know, yeah. letting myself have ice cream and it didn't need to be made from bananas. Like yeah. letting myself have those things was, a, and realizing that um, it's not about good and bad. It's just like food is neutral and just neutralizing it. So it had, I was, it had less power over me. So I was mm-hmm. thinking about it less, planning less. So that yeah. was kind of my dieting experience. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of funny because a lot of people would just consider that to be like, oh, you're on, I would have never said I was on a diet. I was on a healthy lifestyle. It was my yeah. lifestyle. I was eating clean. It was healthy. It was, I didn't think I was restricting, but I didn't realize that not allowing myself the other things was still restricting. So whether I was about calorie deficit or not, that wasn't the thing. For me, it was very much like the mental restriction of like me fearing sugar, me fearing full fat things, me fearing the like normal chocolate rather than it having to be dark chocolate, for example, like all these little things, all these little rules I'd kind of built up in my head around healthy eating that I predominantly learned from social media and just, you know, mimicked what I was seeing online Mm. um for me that was my kind of restriction and having like I said having intuitive eating and someone going like oh okay so that's um that's a diet mindset whether you consider it to be a formal I'm on a eight-week plan or not um that's still a diet mindset and that made a lot of sense to me when I realized that because I I kind of got to a point where like I wanted to eat out and be spontaneous I wanted to Mm. sit and enjoy the food on the sofa with my boyfriend and not feel guilty like I had to go to the gym the next day I wanted to I just I yeah I just couldn't do it anymore and um it's been a journey but it's been um really liberating and I think that kind of culminated in um so last year and it came out in January I wrote a book called train happy and I really um talk about that in there in terms of how my my personal experience with you know thinking I was just doing all the right things thinking I was just following all the health and fitness advice and just thought I was just being healthy right Mm -hmm. and then realizing that a lot of what is 
deemed healthy behaviors in the fitness world can often sadly be disordered and just how to be mindful of that, that we're not going to um, extremes with things and we're not getting so obsessed with stuff. And that's kind of, yeah, well, that was my experience. Um, And so, yeah, wanted to, to encourage people to think about fitness another way. Cause I think you can totally like, don't get me wrong. I still love an energy ball. I still love all those things, mm-hmm. but it's just like, I can have those things and I can and have, have the something else. other yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's not like I don't have those things, but it's just, um, or, or they're bad. They're not bad. They're bad when you tell them that they're better, mm-hmm. that, you know, that they're morally better than the other thing. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's kind of given me a lot of peace and a lot, you know, a lot of sense of calm around how I relate to food, which has been, really helpful yeah really helpful I think you hit the nail on the head there with the the power you use around food and the words you mm. use so if you drop the word treat when you're talking about a brownie yeah, then I'm gonna treat myself because yeah. I've had a good day at work it's like oh, I'm being so system yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. crazy who would have thought that like you know a lot of people just think of like eating as just eating but there's so much mental like for and most girls like yeah. some of the stuff you were saying then I'm like I've got so many friends that think like that. Sometimes I think like that. It's like mm-hmm. such a head game. But who would have thought basically eating to keep us alive is such a head, like head fuck. It really is. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. I I recognize it so many people. And yeah. as I, you know, shifted my personal approach and shifted my message online and, you know, with writing my book and everything, mm. the feedback I'm getting of people being like, that was me, that I 100%. totally relate is kind of... Um, spurs me on to do more of this work because I'm like there's clearly a need for it we clearly need something different because there are a lot of people who are fed up of doing the mental gymnastics of like trying to think about what they're going to have for lunch they just want to eat whatever's going to fill them up and make them feel good and energized um and yeah I just I think I think letting people know that there's an alternative way Mm. is is ex- like is empowering to just think like okay you don't you don't have to constantly think like that but it's very subtle the way we we go like oh I'm just gonna happy guilt um I'm just gonna be a bit naughty and I'm gonna have a donut or I'm just yeah. gonna be a bit um cheeky and do this and uh, it's really uh and we learn this all from you know childhood and how our parents speak about food and their bodies and then we we learn that and we see it in the movies and the TV shows that we're watching and social media and magazines. Like this is all like reinforced stuff. And when you, it's like when you see the diet diet culture, when you see it, and I always say it's kind of like you put these, you kind of put some glasses on and then you realize like, oh, this is so ingrained in so many levels of Mm -hmm. society. Like, wow, this, this is a, like a lot more prevalent than you realize. And, um, being aware of it, it can be quite annoying at first. You're kind of like, (laughs) damn it. Like, can't everyone see what I can see? Um, and like with all things, and I think you kind of get really frustrated, but, um, I think it's realizing that everyone's on their own journey and people are going to discover this stuff at their own time Mm -hmm. in their own way. And, um, to, you know, as much as I want to help people feel better and encourage and, you know, just show like, look, there's another, there's another way to do this if you want to. Um, Just realizing that people have to be ready when they're ready and not trying to force it down people's throats, you know? Yeah. I think that's a similar path. I think you would be talking about with intuitive exercises 
exercising not to punish yourself for what you ate or what you're going to eat during that day, but being thankful that you can exercise, can move your body. And if you don't feel like going to do a hard treadmill session, Mm. you don't have to. Like go doing a yoga yoga class can fill you up just as much. Mm. So, yeah, so with intuitive eating, this will make sense. (laughs) There are 10 (laughs) principles of intuitive eating. And um, like the first one is reject the diet mentality. I think it's honor your hunger. uh, understand when you're full I'm paraphrasing there and it goes on and on mm-hmm. and one of the one of the uh principles is called um it was kind of find the joy in movement and mm-hmm. centered around this idea concept of joyful movement and so when I was thinking about intuitive movement I was kind of like well all these these principles of how to make peace with food we need to apply that to how we think about fitness because they actually mm-hmm. go hand in hand for so many people and um so why don't we think about how we can um, apply them to how we think about moving our bodies? Mm-hmm. And so um, in Train Happy, my book, I kind of broke this down into like how we think about exercise. So firstly, kind of saying like, okay, I'm going to exercise, like I'm going to just hit pause on this need to like have a physical result from my training and I'm going to take the pressure off and of stepping on the scales to check that it's going to plan and taking pictures of myself and instead I'm going to focus on how I feel and really focus on um what I call intrinsic motivating factors so really think about what it is about exercise that makes you feel good and what is it about moving your body that is going to keep you doing this for the long term Mm -hmm. and I talk about the benefits of exercise and when I list the benefits of exercise there uh, I can list you know about 30 benefits and none of them are changing the number on a scale or changing your aesthetic look they're all like reducing the risk of later on of dementia and Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. or improving your bone density so less likelihood of osteoporosis or reducing risk of certain cancers and um, improving your mental health and your mood and um, your cognitive function so you have more clarity and thought throughout the day. And when I was doing all the research around like how great exercise is, I was like, no one ever talks about this. No, yeah. they don't. The way we're sold is like, you're going to be hot in a bikini. Yeah. Like, that is the end. That is like, it really is. Yeah. <clears throat> that's the marketing. And I'm sure in Australia, the pressure's even greater than it is here. Because mm-hmm. like in England, we can get away with not wearing much clothes. It's yeah. cool. But the pressure to look good, like naked is insane. And that is what fitness is all about. Whether it's your like the, you know, bikini body plans and 12 weeks to this transformation. And if you think about how fitness is marketed, it's all centered around the idea that people who work out successfully lose weight or Thin. get abs, right? Yeah. Or like mm-hmm. look leaner. leaner. Um, but actually, when we think about what fitness actually is and what what that means for your body and the benefits that we just spoke about, how they you can experience those benefits – it has nothing to do necessarily with the number on the scale or your yeah. body fat percentage. It's about, uh, are you actually improving your cardiovascular fitness? Mm-hmm. Are you improving your stamina, your strength, your endurance? Are you, have you got better coordination and balance? Like none of these things are dependent on what you look like. They're all dependent on your skill level and your fitness levels, right? But that's not sexy. And we don't like to talk about that in marketing. Mm-hmm. And yet it's actually a really powerful way. And 
it's something I'm trying to um, get across is this, this idea that um, regular exercise is incredible. It's one of the best things you can do for your physical and mental health. Mm-hmm. The, one of the things that's within kind of your power to do for yourself. And um, I think if we just take this pressure off it having to have an aesthetic outcome, it having to have a scale outcome as a marker of success and realizing that the success is you feel good, you feel better about yourself, you um, are able to suddenly do push-ups and you were never able to do them before. Mm. Like all those things are huge wins and things that should be celebrated and encouraged. Um, And, you know, all of those things, you can have those without having to change your body in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just, I think, I, I hope that helps people to think like, oh, I could like maybe, maybe working out is for me and maybe mm-hmm. I can find the way to move that I actually enjoy. Like mm-hmm. if you don't love the gym, but I mean, in Australia, you've got like so many outdoor activities you can do. Mm-hmm. All yeah, of this do. stuff is all of that stuff's movement, all of that stuff's moving your body. Um, I'm a big fan of like dancing and doing that. And, you know, 10 minutes of movement a day is just going to give you a boost. Yeah. Um, and then you might do 10 minutes of like dancing around your kitchen and then think, oh, actually, maybe I will go out for that run or maybe I will go and do that thing. And um, it's just finding it like from that place of care and respect and love rather than, like you said, from a place of like, oh, I have to do this because yeah. I feel like I should because I feel a bit guilty and I'm going out for dinner later and I should, you know, burn some calories now so I can eat that later. And yeah, we, we want to take that pressure away. Well, the thing is we're coming into summer and one thing I've found interesting that you've said, Tal, is that 95% of diets don't work and people end up going back to where they were. And Coming into summer now, I feel like a lot of girls, especially at home, will be like, I need to get my... I think I've heard all my friends say it at least once. Maybe not you. What was I going to say? They need to lose weight. But summer, summer. Bo- summer yeah, body. Yeah, summer body. Yeah. But I was especially say, I heard like most of my friends. Mm. Even you said before, like, what did you say before? You're like, oh my God, I need to... Oh, you said something about I need to put my jeans, get bigger... What did you say? Oh, I bought bigger jeans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what you said, but you said it before. I feel like it's like every day someone I hear someone say it. But my my nan's ninety three years old, and still to this day she'll be like, "Oh, I need to lose my belly," and I'm like, "Nan, you're ninety three. I don't think it really it's matters." Crazy. But doesn't that show how generational this stuff is, and how ingrained mm. it is in our mindset, and how we'll learn that message when we're little? You know, like yeah. I'm sure when you were like a, like younger around your your grand, you were like, "Oh, having a belly is a bad thing." So that's yeah. something I need to make sure that I don't have in the future. And mm. and we just internalize all these messages. Um, yeah, and I think this year as well with quarantine and all of us moving a lot less, um, there has been probably inevitable weight gain and that's just been a side effect of having to survive a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And we kind of forget that that is a pandemic and we're just mm-hmm. trying to get through it and survive it, come out the other side. Um, but obviously there is a fear, you know, I've experienced weight gain during a pandemic and like you, Sarah, I have just sized up my clothes. Um, we're going into, (laughs) well, we're going into the, we're going into winter here and, uh, you know, I've had, you know, like your transitional wardrobe and you're starting to get all your old clothes out and I'm like, oh yeah, these don't fit. And I'm having to buy everything, you know, like just the next size up. And, um, yeah, there's like two things I could have done there. I could have 
put my gone like right I'm gonna try and make myself fit into these old stuff and I'm gonna do xyz or I just go do you know what at this point in my life this is just the size I am and I'm still the same person and I'm allowed to take up a bit more space if I want to um and I'm just going to buy the next size up and just feel comfortable in yeah. my stuff rather than trying to squeeze into my old jeans. Um, and then them serve as a constant reminder that I feel uncomfortable in my body mm. because of the physical discomfort of wearing yeah. Yeah. clothes that don't fit you. And then you're like, oh, yeah, like, oh, you know, I'm going to, I need to do something about this. When you just wear the clothes that fit your body in the size it is right now, you feel just a lot more at ease with yourself because you're not constantly reminded when you sit down that everything's digging <laughs> in. And, you know, there's that kind of aspect to it but the desire to want to lose weight is like to I really don't I don't judge anyone for having that desire to lose weight because you know it will cross my mind from you know occasionally because it's just so deeply ingrained in me that that's what we do right Mm. that's just how it is and um if you've this this approach of of acceptance and of realizing that kind of health and fitness and everything comes in different shapes and sizes and you know my body might (laughs) just might not be designed to be as lean as it Mm. once was there's a reason why my body can't sustain that a like biological reason why I can't sustain that um so you can know a lot of things but it can be a really hard journey to like actually accept that and be like oh I'm gonna have to slightly give up a bit of a dream here because like we have been sold the dream that if you look a certain way and your body looks a certain way, then you're going to be really happy and you're going to have the dream life and not, you know, nothing's going to, you're not going to be worried about anything. And, um, for me personally, and I think a lot of people who have been in that dieting mindset of the constant monitoring of food, the constant monitoring of your body, the constant checking of abs, the constant, um, you know, looking at yourself in a mirror or window every time you walk past and thinking like, oh, okay. Like, that's body dysmorphia um is like meant it's just it's just unsustainable like yeah to go on like that for decades of your life is just exhausting exhausting exactly um and so yeah this the desire to lose weight is normal I think and understandable in the culture we live in and the world we live in and and the beauty standards that we're held to particularly Mm -hmm. as women um but there is a way to, but you don't have to see it through if you don't want to, if you can't do it again. And like you mentioned about this stat around 95% of diets not working. Um, there, yeah, there's a lot of evidence to say that dieting long-term um, doesn't work. Generally, um, and it kind of increases from between like 80 to 95% from um, between two and five years after your initial weight loss, most people, that 80 to 95% of people will gain what they lost back. Mm -hmm. And then some may even gain more back. Um, And then we go, so we go on the diet, we lose the weight, a couple of years happen. They're like, I want to get back to what I was when I was such and such age. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go on the diet again. I'm going to do it again. And essentially what happens is every time you go on the diet, your body generally it like builds up a tolerance to it. So you just have to go a little bit more. You just have to push the envelope a bit more. You just have to take a slightly bigger sacrifice. Um, And so for many people going on their first few diets, it's relative, it's a lot more easy and straightforward and it's going to happen quite easily. Um, But your body 
doesn't want you to go below your kind of set point weight. It doesn't mm-hmm. want you to go below below a certain weight that your body thrives at. Mm-hmm. Now that weight might not be the one you want your body to thrive at. Yeah. And that's the hard part to accept, right? That's the that's the head fuck. We start on this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Um but it's kind of knowing that um like that's what your body's doing and it's a protective mechanism um for you and so it will increasingly make it harder for you to try to lose weight which is why you might have to go to more extremes and you know eat less calories and do more exercise and um and so it's just a bit of a like a cycle and we just keep repeating the same cycles which is why people think because dieting does work in the in that six months in that first year and you know but it doesn't because if a diet worked we would never have to do another diet again Mm. And we wouldn't, and in theory, we wouldn't have to stay in that restriction because some people be like, well, I've just done one diet, but then we maintain these restrictive practices for the rest of our lives. So whether like we deny ourselves dessert or we don't eat carbs after a certain time and whether we might not be on a formal diet, we're, we're putting in these forms of restriction. Um, and yeah, it's, it feels like it goes against um, like we said, this, this norm that we've come to see in like fitness and health, because, um, everyone's promising us that they, they can, they can get us the body we want. And we see these before and after photos all over Instagram. And we're like, I want that. I need that. Um, because the messaging there is that one body is better than another body. And if your body looks like a before or close to someone, like close to someone's before, then that's a problem that needs to be changed. And whether someone's, whether someone is explicitly stating that or not, it's still a little message that we internalize like, oh, like, oh, that's not good to have, um, you know, cellulite. Oh, it's not good to have um, hip dips, the new hip dip thing. What? I mean, What's come a hip on. Dip? Well, it's like, you know, the thing where I definitely have them. It's definitely in my body shape where you have your, you have your um, kind of like your pelvis love yeah. handle area. And then down from that, then your body naturally curves in. Yeah. And then you gag your thigh and that's a hip dip, something to get rid of. But it's like, it's interesting. I noticed that um, I've got a, like a little niece and she's like 10 months old and yeah. she has that natural structure in her body. And no one would ever tell a 10 month old baby no that way. they should get yeah. rid of their hip dips, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's just a natural part of your body, but it's just mm. another beauty standard that we're being held to. And it's just like, a nut, just... Another thing, another problem created and someone's able to sell you the solution, right? Yeah. So um, I think that, yeah, that's, so there's all these things that we're just kind of dealing with. And um, yeah, the idea of kind of stepping off that, that dieting um, cycle is really scary. And, you know, dieting can be a safe place for a lot of people. Like if like me, if you're controlling and you need to Mm. control stuff to kind of function, it's a scary place to let go of that coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, but your body wants to be fed. It wants to be moved. It wants to get a chance to rest. Sometimes it wants to, um, have enough energy there. So it's not constantly like, you know, uh, the fuel isn't constantly slightly under the gauge. Like it wants to, to like know it's, and then when the next meal is coming Yeah, and, um, it likes regular intake. It likes, a bit of routine Mm -hmm. and um but a lot of that kind of goes against what we've been taught about health and fitness because a lot of health and fitness has been made into an industry and 
the dieting dream and all these things, um, all the different shakes and the pills and the plans and everything all come at a price. And so you're going to get a lot of pushback to the idea that dieting doesn't work long term because it's, you know, we, it is unsustainable in that like five, 10 year plan and that we should be do we should do like one and done if if it works right we should just do one that's it lost the weight carry on with my life unfortunately we don't we have to keep kind of trying to go back to it um because a lot of people set to lose a lot of money if we decide that we're going to accept ourselves and like our bodies and just exist in the world Mm. so there's going to be a load of pushback to it and there's going to be a lot of people saying you know like the idea that diets don't work I know is a very controversial topic um, and I've seen people being absolutely taken down for saying that, um, on social media. And when you look at the evidence and the, and you question the science and you question a lot of things in the dietitian world, I'm not a dietitian, I'm not a nutritionist, but in the research I've done and when I speak to dietitians and people I really respect, um, for their take on stuff, they're kind of like, I mean, this is like, yeah. We kind we know this at um, you know during like nutrition school and dietitian school like we know this, but um, we're still meant to try, mm. and you know, it's we're in this constant pursuit of like the magic pill, the magic thing. We haven't found it yet, so if it's not there to be found, then maybe we could do something alternative. And like I said, I'm not here to judge anyone for choosing to do what they want to do with their body because you have autonomy and you get to choose to do this, but. I think for mainly for people listening, if they're like, do you know what? I am exhausted of living in this way. Like there is an alternative. Um, And so there's intuitive eating and intuitive movement and lives within us in a bigger paradigm called health at every size. And the the idea is not necessarily that you're healthy at every size. That's not it at all. The idea is that people along the the spectrum of body sizes should all just receive the same care and respect and dignity and that people in larger bodies should get the same treatment options as people in smaller bodies and that size diversity does exist. And, you know, like a rugby team, for example, is needs all the players of different shapes and sizes to function. And as a society, like we need all the different people of shapes and sizes to be the diverse society that we are. Um, And so that's kind of where I um, really resonate with. And like I said, it kind of makes me feel um, like it kind of made a lot of sense to me professionally working in fitness as a trainer myself. And then um, personally, I was like, I, you know, I managed to like draw the the lines and the, the dot to dot and was like, ah, <laughs> they're onto something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a real journey of learning and um and challenging a lot of my thoughts and ideas I had about health and fitness that I learned. Mm-hmm. And I got taught when I was, you know, um, in education and all those sorts of things. And just questioning, like, where do these ideas come from and who profits off of that yeah. perspective? And yeah. this is a little tip I like for people who are struggling with body image. That, like, when you are having that um, that feeling, that insecurity about yourself, mm-hmm. Um, one thing I like to do, um, and this is not an original thought, this is definitely, I've seen other people suggest this, is um, just go like, oh, I'm like looking at my tummy in the mirror and going, mm, you know, I didn't used to look like that. Yeah. Um, but just go like, hang on a second, who profits off that thought? And usually it's going to be a man. And usually 
it's <laughs> it's yeah. going to be someone um, selling me a solution. And um, I think I think this approach is definitely a feminist approach in the sense that it's about kind of like taking that ownership of yourself and mm-hmm. taking that power back from all those pressures we felt um, and just saying like, okay, I see the pressure. I don't have to participate. I don't mm-hmm. have to... I don't have to do this if I don't want to. And I can do this on my own terms. Um, but yeah, it's a journey. And yeah, I think um, it definitely is. And you're just saying about looking in a mirror. And I think especially females, probably males too, but when you look in a mirror, you're programmed to see the things that you don't like. Oh, of course. Yeah, always. But that's what we have to shift. No, I know, but that, I'm just saying <laughs> always. No, I totally get that. And, you know, it's it takes a long time, as Telly was saying, a long time to learn how to shift those thoughts and, and turn it into a positive. And I think the thing is, the first step is you have to become aware of your exactly. thoughts and awareness. catch yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes, aware of your thought. And maybe you're not, like, the idea of, like, not being satisfied with your body and your appearance and mm. potentially, like, going from an extreme of hating what you see to then loving every aspect of yourself and yeah. your body could feel, like, impossible for so many people so it's rather than thinking like okay like it's not to say that you can't get to a place of like um it's what uh Sonia Renee Taylor who I really recommend everyone checks out um she calls it radical self-love and she recently did a podcast episode with Brené Brown I don't know oh, if you Brené Brown I have to check that out yeah and she's incredible and I think you will love her approach to okay. all of this stuff and she talks yep. about ra- um, body liberation and radical self-love And, you know, she kind of made me like, you know, I thought for a long time, like maybe that radical love isn't, might not happen for some people, but she made me believe that it's possible. So I really recommend checking out her work. Yeah, she's awesome. But she, but this idea of like hating yourself and loving yourself, like could we find a common ground where you start to just get neutral about it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where it's not a case of like, oh, I don't love it, but it is what it is. This is the body I was given. This is like, I can't literally change my skeleton like I can't you know for me I'm small shorts you know I'm not gonna gain five inches of my height like it's not gonna happen so can I just be like this is what this is what the cards I was dealt and just be like okay like that's a a step towards that and then eventually you might just be like I'm an absolute queen and I am incredible (laughs) it's a dream I love it and yeah but dream yeah and I think they're possible and I and I think they also they might be possible whether you think them every single day 24 7 mm-hmm. that that's like potentially unrealistic but could you have moments where you're like no I am like this is great I am just okay as I am mm-hmm. and um then you can have that and I think I posted a quote that someone had put on Instagram yesterday and it just said like it was it was an, uh like an affirmation that said and I'm going to paraphrase slightly but it was essentially I am lovable just the way I am, not because of the way I look, not because of what I weigh. I'm lovable just the way I am. And the post was like, just say that out loud as an affirmation. And, you know, I needed to hear that. Like I said, like, this is my job and I'm very much like well-read on this topic and well-researched and written a book about it. Um, <laughs> but you, we all need the reminder every now and then. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, yeah, I am great. And I am, and actually who I am mm. is the most important thing about me. Yeah. And 
another phrase from Beauty Redefined. I don't know if you follow them on Instagram. Oh, I've heard about this account. Okay, if you haven't listened to the podcast, so I have a podcast called The Train Happy Podcast. Yes. And if you haven't got to the episode, it's called oh, Lindsay I think I listened to this today, The Two Girls. Yeah. Yes, that's They're what twin I know. Sisters. Yes, yes, yes. I listened to your podcast today with them. Yes. They are incredible and their work around body image is yes. amazing and they're very into body neutrality what mm. we're talking about um and the idea of like not objectifying ourselves anymore um and they have a few phrases which I am obsessed with and one I repeat regularly to myself is um your body is an instrument to be used not an ornament to be looked at oh, and just oh. a reminder yeah and just That's a, a reminder one. that like when I'm working out like I'm doing it for my physical yeah. function and not worrying about what people are going to think about what I look like when I do this. Like this yeah. is about me being in my body, doing this for me. And I love that one so much. Yeah, that's um, my favorite. I was going to say, I'm going to write that down, but I'm like, remembered we're recording this and I can read this <laughs> to the podcast. I was like, that's so good. Well, you're you're have, preaching yeah. affirmations to tell yeah, she's I'm, all about affirmations. Yeah, literally, as I said to you before, the second lockdown, I just introduced affirmations into my daily morning routine every day. I've been doing it since July, 15 minutes. And I'm not joking. It's changed my life. Like the things that have come into my life, and the way that I think is fucking insane. Like, I love that. Yeah. There's so many good, I can I could give a whole list of recommendations of people I find who are way better at the affirmations than I am. But just there's certain phrases that like, like when, you know, when we're saying like when you're having those moments when you're doubting mm. yourself and you're just like, oh. And I should also say that a lot of the body image stuff, and I know for me when I'm, start picking my parents apart mm. it's because something else is going it's on it's not right mm. yeah agree it's it's for me it can be um this goes deep but I lost my dad when I was 17 and I realized that a lot of my behaviors around food exercise and my body were as a result of my grief oh, you're grief, so yeah. they were a way for me to just control that emotion and for me to kind of deal with what was happening mm. or rather not necessarily deal and just yeah. try and you know, distract myself. And so for me, often when I'm like, this is the beauty of therapy is realizing that like, oh, all those things I was doing was to try and distract or numb or avoid or control an emotion. Processing like trauma. Yeah. 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 Feeling a certain thing or doing a certain thing. And, you know, whenever I'm, whenever, so with coronavirus and the stress that's going on in the outside world and all the fears we have around that, we are going to be feeling a lot more, maybe people will feel a lot more resentment and a lot more of that stress and anxiety yeah. being directed towards their body. Cause that's how we've been taught to channel it, right? Mm-hmm. We've been taught to just send it inwards and be like, okay, well you don't look good enough and you need to lose weight and you're lazy and you're this and you're a slob and you need to change and blah, 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 blah. And a lot of that energy is because like we don't know how to cope with the other stuff. So things like yeah. affirmations and journaling can be a really good way of like venting and getting out that stuff in our head that is actually not to do with our body image, but we uh, we let it out through our body image, if that makes yeah. sense. So you might have like a stressful relationship going on or um, you may be feeling insecure at work or you might have had a thing and you'll know. And I think there's often... A correlation for people between other difficult stuff going on and then this desire to want to change their body or you know start eating right or you know I'm going on a health kick um 
around around the same kind of time. So I think that's also really worth pointing out to people um, that this stuff is a lot, it can be a lot deeper. deeper and can yeah. be, um, it's a symptom, for me, it's a symptom of something else going on. And yeah. I've learned that now. It's taken me like 10 years to learn. Well, it's taken a lifetime to learn. Yeah. But like, oh, okay, if I'm feeling insecure about that, what else is going on? Yeah. Why am I feeling like that? And it might not come to you straight away, but you know, you can kind of like start tracing it back and you're like, oh, it was because of that. And I think, um, I think that's been a real game changer for me in terms of yeah. how I process my body image stuff and how I process my desires to diet and change my food and exercise is often a sense for me needing to control. Yeah. You know, that like, you- I need- yeah. Sorry. And did you learn that through, you said you see your therapist once a week. Did you mm. learn all of this through your therapist or was it something that you kind of thought, oh. So yeah, it was definitely a mix of therapy and yeah. like kind of having the space to make, to connect the dots. Yeah. Because yeah. for me, it was like connecting the dots. Because mm-hmm. I was always like, yeah, I lost my dad. But then like four or five years later, that's when I became really yeah. into That's why I was food, wondering. right? Yeah. And I thought like, I don't remember thinking at the time, oh, I never thought during I'm grieving Mm. and I'm gonna do this I was at drama school I was in dance classes every day I was in a competitive environment so the environment kind of triggered this need to control that aspect like but I think that deeper down the the desire was always there like the it was always like something I was gonna have to it was gonna come out some way yeah and um for me it 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 showed itself within the food and exercise stuff, but um, it could, you know, be um, show itself to different people um, in different ways. And I think I, I did something, I posted something about this recently on Instagram and I had like a lot of feedback of people being like, Oh damn, (laughs) like I relate to this. Like I recognize this pattern. Um, And I think that's where, we need more like emotional education and understanding of like how, why we feel the way we feel and how to feel our emotions. Like, my goodness, I didn't have a clue until like the last like 12 months really of how to like actually sit with pain and discomfort and Mm -hmm. unhappy things that I've been trying to repress and avoid for like a decade. Um, But in doing that, um, that inner healing leads to healing and peace in other aspects. So yeah. I think like it's it like filters out all the other things that might seem like the you know the reason to go and like I, you know I went to therapy and I was like I'm good with food and exercise now like yeah that's not an issue for me it's but deeper stuff yeah it's the deeper mm-hmm. stuff but kind of realizing like oh but even so that when I have a desire to do that or yeah okay so now that's healed I'm ready to mentally like dig deeper do you yeah. know what I mean that surface level stuff is is like healed and now I can figure out what was the actual like source of that yeah but it's yeah. a common theme that we often talk about because Tal and I are such big ad- advocates for therapists mm-hmm. and it always goes back to childhood childhood trauma, trauma and just having a having and wanting to be curious about patterns and things in your life and wanting to explore it more I think it's a really, and I also touching on that, I think it goes to show what kind of a person you are wanting to learn because it's yeah. a frightening, frightening thing to learn about. But it's also fucking amazing because, you know, you do learn 
why do I react to this in this way? Why am I, all these things, so powerful. Oh, yeah. And like, I mean, like I've been doing it for a year. I'm scratching the surface as well. Like there's so much more for me to learn about It's exciting about for you. I personally love it. And I'm yeah. a big, I'm the kind of person, like if I'm going to do it, but you might notice my personality trait of like being all in on fitness, Go all, all in, in on food. Yeah. I'm all in on therapy. 100%. Yeah, 100%. That's just, my, that's the nature of my personality. I'm like, if I'm going to do it. I'm, I wanted to like read the books and listen to the podcasts and follow yeah. the people. I mean, did you know there's like therapy Instagram? No, oh, yeah, I've Wait, got some it? great. I've got some great therapy ones oh. I follow. Do you mean accounts? Yeah, but oh yeah. yeah. So you meant like someone like, sitting there giving you a no, 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 no. <laughs> I read a pattern like they will say something about your mother and a pattern. I'm like, oh my god, my mum fucked up my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Barb, if you're listening, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's there's so many. There's lots of therapists doing different things, but there's so many times when I've read something on Instagram. This is what I think like. I don't know if you saw the social dilemma recently. I'm like, yeah, got a bad rap last night. Yeah. I haven't watched yeah. it. Yet. I'm too scared. Okay, well, but I think there is a silver lining of it, and there is yeah. good stuff. And like I for me, I think when you get the boundaries in place with how you use it, you can find some good stuff on there. And like I said, like finding people talking about stuff in the, you know, they might do. So there's someone who's Australian, actually, Ashley Bennett. I don't know if you've had her on. She's called Body Image Underscore Therapist oh, no. on Instagram. Why must follow Ashley's Ashley's incredible and she's in Australia and she even has a book coming out I'm just gonna promo her because I'm a big Please fan of do. her work. I'm gonna try and find her on Instagram she says stuff on she just writes really like her kind of thoughts around a certain thing and the amount of times I've gone oh my goodness I need to discuss that in therapy yeah oh my goodness I'm gonna take like yes like this makes so much so much sense so it's not necessarily therapeutic in itself like it's not it's not that dynamic of actually being in therapy but it it just kind of makes you think and question stuff um and so she was another one who made me think about my um so initially me getting into health and fitness was around I had like IBS stuff and I was like oh it's gluten I need to cut out all these foods I need to change what I'm eating that's why my tummy is the way it is. I'm reacting to foods. And that was my, in, that was my initial interest in like, right, I'm going to start making all these recipes, meeting clean and no sugar, no refined this, no refined that. But she wrote something where it was about basically how trauma shows up in your body and how often um, people with digestive issues, because your gut is your, you have your gut brain axis yes. and your gut is your second brain, that um, a lot of these intolerances that we experience with a lot of this, like, can't eat this, can't eat that is often like, well, not often, but is an indication for some that there may be, that's your body's like trying to say like, hello, there's trauma here. We haven't dealt with it. And like, I'm going to make you physically uncomfortable because I need you to address this. Um, and I didn't realize that until like a couple of years ago. And I was like, this makes so much sense. This makes so much sense. And so there's a, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score and how your body so you know, for some people like it manifests in like back pain or mm-hmm. chronic pain in some way, but for others like the the gut stuff. I mean, the amount of people like and it makes so much sense, even just from friends who at the time when I was like, I'm gluten-free, it's all my gut stuff. Like it felt very, very real. And it's not to invalidate those things that those aren't real, but there's a strong psychological component and and once we kind of, like we said, we strip it back and get to that root cause, mm-hmm. it's um, really powerful. And like, I don't experience any gut issues these days. And sometimes oh, if I do, I ask that, yeah. how's yeah. your digestion? Yeah. 
Well, well, this the gut stuff healed a while back because I started to eat properly. properly yeah, because mm-hmm. that restriction of like not quite eating enough or only eating healthified stuff yeah. like, that was also like not good for me. So just eating enough food was a big component. Mm. But secondly, the emotional side. Um, yeah, has has meant that I I just be more because I was always aware that stress was a big factor yeah. in my experience, um, and stressful situations would g- generally cause a will, will will cause my tummy to like not be very happy. But it's not as prolonged as it was, and um, it's just being mindful of like okay, I need to just check in with myself and look after yeah. myself, and and yeah. But joining the dots, I find amazing. I, I find it that. um so interesting just searched her and I'm going to go see her when will she <laughs> just searched her on Instagram and I'm like oh my god she's from Melbourne I want to see her she but is in Melbourne actually yeah. yeah she is oh poor woman shut up <laughs> no but lockdown oh, that's lockdown. what I, mean. <laughs> I thought she meant poor woman because I was going to go see no, her no I'm like a fellow um, Melbourneian like yeah. respect yeah tell I have a question with intuitive exercise and intuitive eating do you have absolutely zero routine Oh, I love this question. I like this question because you say you're controlled. Yeah. So. So. Okay. Where do you want me to start? Do I get up? I'll answer it in. Okay. I'll answer it in the common. I'll answer it in movement first. So the common misconception is like, so if I just work out how I want, do it for the amount of time I want, do what I want, then I'm just not going to do anything. I'm going to sit on the sofa and do nothing. True. And I need a and like people like I need a plan. I need stuff to to you know keep me motivated and keep me on track. So the process of intuitive movement, for it depends on the person's starting point. If you've had a really tumultuous relationship with exercise, if it's been all or nothing, if it's been like, you know, traumatic PE, PE experience as a, as a kid and like, mm-hmm. therefore it's really put you off stuff. There may be a point where, or you've been super um, over-exercising, there may be a point where you need to rest and relax and you do need to take a step back and do something more gentle. But it's very dependent on the individual. Yeah. However, we have a principle called gentle guidance. And I like to think of it as the cherry on the cake. So once you've got to a point where you feel more relaxed around exercise, you, you know, stop feeling the need to like track every single session on a watch or you know, you feel, you're starting to feel more intuitive. You've learned how to listen to your body to stop when it's all a bit too much. And you've learned to like rest if you're overtired um, and you've learned the kind of movement that feels good for you. And you're like, do you know what? I want to run a half marathon. I would never suggest intuitively running a marathon or a half marathon. As a, the personal trainer within me is like, we can't do that. We need to have a training plan and we need to build you up and we need to make mm-hmm. sure that there's certain things happening so that you do it safely. So there's absolutely place for uh, plans and guidance. What intuitive movement does is allow for flexibility within that. And so say you were training for a marathon and you know you have to do like a big long run on the weekends and some runs in between. I always suggest, okay, well, can you find one of those sessions or part of your routine like every other week even doing something just for you that's really fun. So that might be like a Zumba class or going to do pole dancing or, you know, I'm going to do rock climbing and that's what I'm going to do for me. So you take that pressure off like that kind of need, like I have to do this. Like, yeah. I've got to go do this. I've got to go do this. Because you, you will need to do things that you not, might not want to do per se, but it's allowing to have that flexibility. And also if you get to a point in your plan where you're like, okay, that's the plan, but my sleep has been terrible this week. I've got young children and 
I'm just exhausted. Mm. And you're like, actually, the best thing for me today would be like to just stretch or, you know, just to have a a rest day. Mm. Then we allow for that. And we trust your body and trust yourself to make the best decision for you. But you certainly can have plans. Like in my book, there's a 12 week plan at the end of it to help people. And what I try and do with that plan is it's really simple, often for people who are relative beginners, um, to have kind of two workouts where it's programmed. And then a third one, I usually put in like a a challenge, like go try a new class or go try this. So you start to have autonomy over what you're doing and you start to choose the things that feel right for you. So it's not about not training for goals or not doing those things. It's just about allowing for flexibility within that process. Um, and when it comes to food, it's about, um, there wouldn't necessarily be food plans involved in the same way, but thinking about, they call it gentle um, nutrition. And so like thinking about like, okay, I know that like, if I have a source of protein in my meal, that keeps me fuller for longer. And I know that actually satisfies me more. So I'm going to make sure that there's a source of protein on my plate and I'm going to make sure I eat um, a certain amount of fruit and veg a day. And, you know, being mindful of like um, things like I know that an oat cake with hummus on um, is really filling in a good snack or thinking, you know, oh, I've got a really busy morning. I'm not actually hungry for breakfast yet, but I probably should eat now because otherwise it's gonna, I'm going to get way over hungry by lunchtime yeah. and I'm going to want to eat the house. So how can I like manage my hunger levels? Yeah. And so it's there's stuff like that where it comes in. But a lot of this stuff is the cherry on the cake because the, the bulk of the work is like building the trust, building the connection with your body, feeling how the sensations figuring out what um, works for you and then going like, okay, I can do this now, which is why intuitive eating people feel like when you're not dieting, you're just eating donuts and that's what intuitive eating is. Like Mm. it's just swinging the pendulum the other way. And it's the same with fitness. Like it's just resting, but the pendulum may need to swing the other way for it to recalibrate back to the middle. Yeah. Um, Because when you've been so restricted in certain ways for so long, you want to break all the rules and you want to overcompensate for that restriction. Um, so it's like, and like, how do we like, once we realize like, oh, these things aren't restricted anymore. Oh, I actually can't like the idea of like eating takeaway every single day doesn't actually make me feel good. Like I do need to eat more fresh veg and home cooked stuff. Oh, okay. I can start introducing that back in, but it's very dependent on the individual and their previous experiences. So it's not necessarily a, one size fits all, which is what I love about um, this approach is like, it's very dependent on the person and, and their experiences. And, and, you know, some people might, this could be a couple of months thing. This could be a couple of years working through this stuff. So it's very individual. So before breakfast, do you sit down and like, I'm such a habitual person. Tally probably knows what I had for breakfast this morning. <laughs> what did you have? She had, I wasn't with her, but I'll guess. She had soaked oats. Ticks. Perch and muesli, I don't know. Soaked, <laughs> soaked oats with like yogurt and berries. Yeah. Fucking knew it. That's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorites as well. Literally, <laughs> she just has it every day. But that's my, it's basically a habit now. So, but should I check in with myself every morning and be like, Ooh, what do I feel like today? Yeah. Maybe sometimes mix up. 99% of the time she'll still feel like the oats though. (laughs) But I'm, that's me. I'm a creature of habit too. Like I love, I make big batches of, I call it overnight oats, but the same thing. I make big batches of that all the time. 
And, you know, you might play with the toppings a bit, but essentially yeah. it's all the same. <laughs> I have peanut butter today, not exactly. almond butter. <laughs> exactly. And do you know what? In lockdown, where I've had more time in the mornings, I've been making pancakes a lot. Oh, and I'm yum. so obsessed with pancakes. Um, I'll probably have them after this. Um, yum. Because I I am like a creature of habit. Like my boyfriend can predict what I'm going to have. I have like about three or four different things and I eat them on rotation. And like in the summer... Too. In summer, it's the cold oats. In the winter, it's like either porridge and porridge. pancakes mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Um, because I do like, I like what I like, right? But I think breakfast um, though is a habit, habitual thing, yeah. isn't it? It's <laughs> that, <laughs> that, <laughs> no, because like breakfast is hard. You either have cereal, toast, pancakes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, exactly. And then on the weekends, you have brunch and you can yes. mix it up, right? Eggs and well, everything. we can't at the moment because the cafes aren't open. On that note. 2020, we love you. Um, I just have a question before um, Sarah wraps up to one of her games. Where do you see yourself and your brand in the next year? Oh, well, uh, so I my book came out in January yep. and then obviously the pandemic happened, which is crazy. Crazy. Um, and I had like big plans and dreams for this year and all the things I wanted to do. And we kind of, I'm starting to make it happen towards the end of the year. So yeah. The podcast came out uh, later in April time. So I'm loving doing that. So if people are interested in this stuff and want to dive deeper into this topic and like how this stuff works, and I really recommend um, listening to the podcast because it was kind it's of an very good. Book, but you don't need to have read the book to listen mm-hmm. to the podcast. Um, and then I am planning, well, I don't know how much I can say. Oh. But um, <laughs> best plans in the works. I'm going to continue developing this message I want to um I want to give people more practical tools of how to put this into practice Mm -hmm. in their lives so a bit more guidance around that um I'm doing some like but obviously everything's virtual at the moment so no in-person events but it does mean we can reach an international audience which is really cool um so there's lots of plans there and I'm very much um yeah I'm very much kind of like I said, making the most of the rest of this year. So yeah. if people want to know what's going on, they should come over to Instagram. It's probably the best place to find 100%. me. Um, at Tally Raya. Give myself a cheeky plug. Okay. Also, I was thinking this whole podcast, how the fact that we've got a tally and a tully. And I, I know. Like, I said, we haven't you tripped saying, up once. Yeah, where'd you keep saying tell? I'm like, Tell, like, tell. <laughs> also, with Instagram, um, Tally's also amazing to follow because your little dance, you mentioned before about your dances and stuff like that. Your, oh, oh, I love I my was TikTok this morning and I was like, oh my God, that makes yeah. me feel like I, like I got in such a good mood. It's just like really yeah. uplifting. So this is the thing that I've got really into this year. It's like everyone has been doing like hip workouts or yes. home dumbbell workouts. And I was doing that too. And it's I was fun like, for like five minutes. It's fun, but we need something just... I think my drama school background yeah. makes me want to just move to music. That's my favorite thing to do. So um, I've been sharing like these real time dance workouts yeah. as well that I've been doing. So you can like come on IGTV and dance and work out with me for like 10 minutes at a time. And I think I've got four on there now. So you've basically got a whole class. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. And that's like the one thing I'm majorly inspired to do at the moment. Um, and yeah, so I'm just trying to bring more um, more positivity, explain this stuff more because this is a relatively new concept and I appreciate that um, this is a bit um, counterintuitive to what we've been taught, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, it's just kind of um, 
yeah, just getting the word out there a bit more that there is another way. If if you're fed up with where you're at and you want to try something different and you're you're just exhausted, then yeah, there's another option. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what Train Happy is all about. It's literally about how can we make you feel good about yourself, about everything. And that's the, you just want to feel good. Happiness yeah. is the most important thing. Um, so we're going to finish up with one of Sarah's games that she loves. So I'm going to throw it over to you. Before I want to, before I dive into this game, um, Tal, can I just, what's... Tally or Tal? I'm confused. Tally. <laughs> For like an hour before we started recording, Tal was like, what's that I word that she practices? Can you say it yet? Intuitive. That's... <laughs> no, because I kept saying, I know what the word is, but I kept saying intu- intuition. I can't remember. Intuition. In my head, I can say it. I must be dyslexic. I don't know. If someone's listening and can sometimes hear me talk, I think I'm dyslexic. But I can say it in my brain and then when I go to say it out loud, it doesn't come out. So I'm like, Sarah, what is it again? So hence why she hasn't mentioned it all yeah. podcast. <laughs> I literally haven't. I've been trying not to. <laughs> Anyway, I love that. Game. Intuitive. That's it. No. Yes. yes. You nailed it. This I, is quite a fitting game for this episode right. too. It mm. actually is. Sorry. So when Tal and I travel, we always play games and they always revolve around food and our answers, <laughs> al- our answers always change. So it's your final meal, entree, main, dessert, it's like cocktail. your dying meal. Sarah doesn't like me saying dying, but it's a bit morbid. Yeah. But it's like your last yeah. meal forever. You've yeah, it's just a oh, very it's so strong hard. word. Wait, sorry, do you drink alcohol? Yeah, I do, but I'm not a big drinker. Okay, well, we can throw in a cocktail for you then. I like a cocktail. I like yeah, a cocktail. Yeah, okay, cool. We'll add yeah. in cocktails. So entree, main, dessert, and cocktail. Oh, okay. Entree. Um, oh, it could be so many things because I do this. I do really in, oh, trying to think. Well, maybe what would I have? Meal, so you could choose like three entrees. Like, well, can we I start at my <laughs> <laughs> Can I start at my main and then I'll yes. yeah. I think for my main, I'd probably have salmon of some love, sort. I love, love. salmon. I've loved oh. it forever. Um, I'd probably have some incorporated in it, some sort of sweet potato thing. Yeah, sweet yum. potato fries are my absolute favorite thing oh, in the whole I world. I love sweet potato fries. I could eat, I need them in my last meal. So at some yep. point they're going to happen. Um, something... Uh, and then I also want a bit of like pasta. I want like a bit of like, <laughs> I want a bit of like creamy pasta. Maybe my mum's lasagna. Yum. Yum. Um, Do that. Yeah. Yum. And then um, drinks wise, I'd probably have um, like cocktail wise, I'd probably yeah. have something that includes the following ingredients. Not sure what the cocktail <laughs> We can make it up. <laughs> it would have to have like something elderflower based. Oh, yum. Based lime gin probably gin yeah or a really good margarita oh my god you had me at margarita I'm a margarita yeah. girl but that yeah, I do option them. you said sounds like really refreshing hmm. had me like, yeah I like, ginger. Quite, I like I like I had something like it at the weekend so like that's what I when I see like certain ingredients I'm like all of those things that's me yeah I want that Yum. um and a dessert would probably be something chocolate based. I probably have. Do you have Tony's Chocoloni in Australia? What's oh, that? that? It's <laughs> a brand. No, I don't think we do. It's a brand of chocolate, and um, no, we definitely it's, don't have this. And it's. I think it's based in Amsterdam, and it's the whole the whole vibe is it's ethical and um, but it's just downright incredible, delicious. One of my 
greatest achievements in life is managing to get on their PR list. So sometimes <laughs> it's really Guys, if you're listening. <laughs> oh, like I'm obsessed, but I buy it all the time as well. Yum. Like our local supermarket started to increase their range. And my boyfriend were like, do you think that's because we kept <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like we might be solely responsible for that. Yeah. Um, so I probably have to have, they have this um, toffee pretzel chocolate. Oh, that wow. is, I wouldn't have had it down as my favorite at all, but it is incredible. It I'm going to so trust good. you with that. That's not an ingredient yeah. that I would go for, but I feel Next like time we, you come to London, I'll get you some. Yeah, see you in 2030. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're um, stuck. <laughs> yeah, and then entree, I don't know, maybe I do love anything like Mexican. So like yes. we have this place called Oaxaca. Have you been to Oaxaca in London? No, I haven't. Okay, they do like this thing called frijoles and it's like this beans, cream, cheese, and then you like oh. dip your um, like tortilla chips in it. And it's Yum. Insane. I love Mexican. Same. Love. I like that final meal. It's kind of like we've done a little bit around the yeah. world. We have, we have. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. Well, Tally, it was so good to see your face and you're bloody amazing what you're doing and everything you stand for and your story and you should be so proud and I cannot wait to see you flourish but um i hope you have a beautiful what day is it today thursday wednesday tuesday, tuesday. no wednesday tuesday, tuesday. well it's wednesday because it oh, wednesday. comes out on a wednesday guys <laughs> <laughs> but actually real time it is tuesday <laughs> we fucked that yeah, up, we fucked that up <laughs> why did i say that anyway on that note sarah do you have any last anything to say i just it was so good to see you again and you're creating such a positive change in this world and i can't wait to see what you do thank you i hope we get to like actually hang out at some point in real life I oh know. we will don't worry we'll be brunching eating going for cocktails yes. as soon as we can get to london yes i know so many good spots because you yes. showed us the good spots in sydney so i need to return the favor yes <laughs> oh yeah i know anyways Bliss. but good morning to you Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.